0: You are now listening to Closer in Tech, the podcast created by the D2 Collective. This is Erica,
1: and this is Nasty. The D2 Collective's vision is to make the tech world feel closer. This podcast aims to inspire you through the ever-changing world of tech.
0: Meet Ugo. Ugo is the founder and CEO at Ritmo. On LinkedIn, he describes himself as an agent of positive change and someone who enjoys spreading wisdom on growth, leadership, and scaling up. He shares frequent insights and content on growth leadership and scaling up on LinkedIn, and via his, new le- his, ugh, his newsletter "Baking Growth," as well as creates free resources publicly available on his personal website, scalingwithugo.com. Welcome, Ugo. Today we talk about maintaining psychological safety during organizational changes. Thanks for being with us today.
1: No, thank you, Eric, for the invitation, and glad to be part of this podcast. Um, is a very hot topic at the moment and one that I'm particularly close to and passionate about. And yeah, and I think it's because uh, I've been a catalyst for positive change from a very early stage. Uh, so I was always curious and passionate about the progress and overall well-being of humankind as an accelerator for, for good. And, and also maybe because I was born in Portugal, a small town south of Porto. And and because of that small town, there was a lot of like very... Uh, warmed and uh, uh, close connections. Yeah, You're, it's almost like the feeling that you know everyone in town. Um, so since early childhood, I always loved the connection with people. What drives people forward? What triggers and motivates uh, people's motivations and ambitions? And that associated with logic and how things work took a little bit of a of a mix of an engineering mindset, but with uh, a human element, Yeah, which is why initially I was actually intending to study aerospace engineer. By, but I ended up graduating into management with uh, an organizational psychology minor. Yeah, so
0: that's very the, interesting. Yeah,
1: so it's, it's the early stage of my career was a little bit, you know, uh, not a linear path. Um, but yeah, this combination was always like uh, something that I I, I felt very uh, strongly about, which is to bring data into the emotions of people, whereby not becoming too logical, but also being able to absorb what is, what is a rational thinking, and yeah? so a part of your brain is more rational and understands okay, what are the triggers behind, what are the symptoms, what are the patterns, and at the same time, taking the compassion element that not everything can be explained through logic, and some things are just the emotional well being of you know, just being human, um, which which is not surprising. After studying, and the, the early stage of my career was very much focused on to leadership development and societal impact, which is why I was part of uh, ISAAC, uh, the largest world, uh, world-run organization in the world. Oh,
0: uh, I was also part of ISAAC. That's ah, amazing.
1: See? So see, yeah. so a great network, yeah? So, yeah. so I was part of the organization for quite a long time. I was part of the global team, and that gave me such a empowering experience on how to manage different cultures, different beliefs, different uh, uh, different uh, understandings of, of how the world works, or how people work. And, and that's that's always stayed with me yeah and after I went to India where I did a, a volunteering internship as well as I was part of a marketing agency and that being part of that marketing agency brought the interest around marketing messaging and how to position products and brands so so because you know positioning products and brands is also a psychological or a psychology event yeah you're also tapping into the emotions of people into why people buy into why people need certain things into their pain points so that was a, an interesting element. And then, well, then I moved back to Europe and, uh, and I built a career around growth. So that's normally what bringing sales, product, and marketing together in different leadership roles, being head of growth, head of marketing, uh, head of uh, customer. Um, so at different startups and scale-ups, yeah. So I did that for like you know over 10 years. The latest uh, scale-up was EVBox, a global leading electric vehicle charging company. And we grew the company from 10 people to 600 people or more and from six to nine revenue figures. So it was quite an incredible growth path. Uh, but after seven years, I was a little bit tired and I felt that my learning path was not, uh, you know, keeping up with the organizational uh, uh, growth. So I decided to go back to the early stage of my career, back to the topic of teams, back to the topic of leadership. And that brought, um, brought Ritmo, yeah? So it's, uh, me, a uh, co-founder, Piotr, decided to build Ritmo just focusing on at least at the starting point on a platform or a product that helps teams collaborate and decide better together. Yeah. Because decision making is quite you know an important aspect of leadership, or quite an important aspect of how teams dynamics play. And we find that there is quite an efficient decision process and collective wisdom being captured um, you know, almost in every team worldwide. And that's a little bit about myself. Yeah, I live in the Netherlands, married uh, almost two-year-old uh, daughter. So uh, also on the personal side, also having quite some fun uh, learning from her and also you know, having uh, um, having quite a long partnership with someone that also empowers me and challenges me on a daily basis.
0: Yeah, that's brilliant. Um, I love how throughout your story, uh, there's kind of like this, yeah, uh, this connection of, yeah, human connections, human relationship, kind of psychological part of human behavior Mm -hmm. Uh, because in the end like we can talk how much you want about business then but in the end businesses are made of people and it's actually i think one of the most yeah most interesting each interesting part of it um Mm -hmm. as, as as we were mentioning before so the industry is seeing like such an immense change you know with layoffs organizational restructuring of course like Everything is adjusting to the macroeconomics that we are witnessing. Um, And I really loved reading your insights on LinkedIn because you said something that was along the lines of, yeah, for growth leaders, it's your responsibility to build an environment where your teams and employees know they matter and that what they do matters. So how can those changes that we mentioned before impact the psychological safety of both those who are laid off, for example, but also those who remain employed? Like, what would you say is the impact?
1: Well, so if you mean the impact of having that mindset, it comes from the fact that if if you take a step back and think about the people that are laid off, however the situation, however well communicated it was to them, the reasoning behind, it always has a hit, even if it's unconscious, on their own self-confidence yeah if you are laid off you question even if you are super confident and move forward there'll always be a moment that you kind of question your own self confidence it's it's tough yeah you are laid off and you are wondering well why was i laid off and not my colleague what what is the difference between us did i do anything wrong or even if it's like the job maybe the role became redundant it is still a moment of of not of truth for the person that was laid off so it does require a mindset of of compassion from and comprehension from the leadership to help people move forward and be there for them even after they leave. Um, I did, you know, I was I actually was sort of on both sides of, of, of the table. And for example, it is it is really important to continuously emphasize that if the role becomes redundant, it's not about the person, it's about the company. And then making sure that you spend time explaining, hey, for the time that you were at the company, this is, this is what I valued in you. This is what you contributed for. This is what you excel. This is where you could have done better. Um, and this is where I can help you on your next step of your career. and that might mean offering resources. It might mean to connect with some of your other re- uh, referrals um so that you can you know also help the person beyond. And so that's extremely important. as important as day to- day work you have. So that's a bit of a chief of mindset because that happens very often. We've seen plenty of stories around of people that just arrived to the office and they didn't have the connection to the laptop, so they found out that they were not no longer working and then they receive a letter. It is, it is brutal, yeah? It is, it is direct, it is business as usual, as people say, but it lacks compassion. And they might think that, yeah, this is the best way and more effective way to just do it at a mass scale. But I can tell you that those organizations will have an impact on the line. Might not be now, but in two years, four years, six years, but to Mark, you know, Because it means that for the ones that were left behind, it's not just about confidence. It's about clarity, care, and trust. Why am I staying behind? Why should I trust the future of the company? What's going to be different moving forward? Yeah, because, you know, if this happened to my colleagues, it can happen to me. Maybe not now, maybe three years, two years, but who's to say that I'm not next? So those questions also stay on the ones that, you know, that stay behind and then that are trusted to continue the company. So it's a tough situation, which is why it's so important to spend so much time explaining people why they matter and what they did that matter if they are leaving or what if they do matters that, you know, that uh, makes them stay.
0: Absolutely, I've been on both the sides of la- of a layoff because in the company where I was like last year, they in the beginning of the year the first round of layoff, and I was safe. And I remember going through those feelings that you just mentioned that you really worry about. Oh, am I just a number? Also, am I so replaceable? And what is going to happen to the company? Um, I remember like the day it happened. I it, it was already like it was a year ago, more or less. So it wasn't so common because I think in the last six months now we saw it a lot. So we know it can come and it can happen. Last year was really the beginning. So I remember going through this. And then after a little bit, I was actually, um, yeah, I was laid off actually a few months later. So I went to the other side of the spectrum. um, And I also experienced like what you were mentioning um, in the beginning. So, So yeah.
1: No, go ahead, Erica Tell me.
0: No, something I wanted to ask is that when there is like all of these events happening, what would be your suggestion for organization, yeah, to build and maintain a culture of psychological safety?
1: well it is it is a tough situation, so I, I think it starts first by acknowledging it. yeah acknowledgement is very important, yeah, which is. It's not just a fake acknowledgement of saying, ah, we are in a tough situation, economic conditions, whatever you write for the public. It's about owning first owning the owning the decision of saying, Hey, we screwed up, we made mistakes and and explaining from the beginning on like, hey, this is this is what we're thinking of going to do differently and you need your help. Yeah. It has to be a shared journey. It cannot no longer be just, Yeah, we let go X amount of people. This is the new strategy, the people that stay, you know, in in, let's say now are going to have new roles, and you're going to have uh, you know some information from your manager. How big or small the company it starts by understanding how are you going to listen to the people that you are going to be leading here. That is going to be different from the past, and it cannot be just like sending a survey to people. It has to be through conversations, reaching out proactively, and You know, I, I almost never see any organization after doing a reorganization or or a layoff asking what do we need to do differently for you to trust us moving forward what can we do better what are we doing well what isn't clear almost no one asks that you know they just assume that they just go online see a few things that have to be done they create a town hall spaces and that's done no it it, it takes a lot more effort um but yeah it is important to do that it is important to create spaces for people to voice out their opinion in a safe environment where there's no repercussions they can openly share the feedback and, and they understand that the feedback was taken into consideration by the actions by the follow-up and um, it can be walking uh, open walking meetings with management or leadership it can be a weekly newsletter with a the with ceo or the leadership members about the state of the company more frequently for a period of time um then comes clarity yeah doubling down the on the focus of the company now, if a company lets go a lot of people you cannot keep you cannot demand a double you cannot say oh we're going to go through a tough time so you need to ask Everyone else to work you know, twice as much to compensate the ones that were left behind. No, you have to make choices and tell the company not so much what you're going to do and focus on, but what, what you're going to not focus on and what you're going to let go in order to uh, be able to accommodate everyone's interest and everyone's energy. Yeah? So be clear about that. Spend, spend time communicating effectively about those choices of what's moving forward, what's not moving forward. And that will help the company stay for a long time. Then it's about transparency and also being comfortable to saying with, I don't know, we don't know, you know, leadership doesn't have all the answers. Share the challenges, ask for help, and uh, openly share the tra- financial and other key metrics of the company. And I think the last one is just to show care through also investing in people, yeah, like challenge the policies that you have that might be too bureaucratic, bureaucratic. bring in experts on DNI to talk about the belonging and inclusion, and what it matters. Uh, bringing people that help uh, the company understand what it means to thrive under uncertainty and how to navigate uncertainty you know double down the investment on learning, uh, put retention bonus uh, for people that that stay behind and, and put extra extra efforts to sustain the company. these are all things that can be done you know it's just about uh, understanding the culture of your own company, your own team and having the flexibility to act learn and, uh, and implement along the way.
0: I love all those tips. Um, I never heard about retention bonuses during layoff, but I think it's actually like a great way because people can feel a bit that lack of morale and this, of course, can, can help. Something I wanted to ask you a bit along the lines of the previous question is actually, so let's imagine someone, because we have a lot of people like uh, tuning in that are people managers of like smaller teams or organization, maybe there are sales directors or sales managers.
1: Mm -hmm. Uh,
0: What would you recommend to those people who need to handle, yeah, kind of this psychological safety broken by the company because maybe they weren't even involved in the layoff, of course, decision. Um, How would you, what kind of tips would you give to a people manager of a smaller uh, team or organization within the company?
1: Well, even, so the interesting thing, that's, that's more of my philosophy. Even if you're not part of the decision, if you're just taking the hit, if you are part of the leadership, you should also co-own the outcome. Yeah? So the first thing is to say, hey, yeah, even if I'm not part of the decision, even if I didn't have a say, I want to tell you that, yeah, we have to do better, yeah? And then I want to, you know, what can I do with my power in order to help you out? So the same thing for the ones that are living on his team, You know, is to say, okay, how can I help you find a role that is suitable for you? You know, can I open my network to you? You know, is there a company of your interest that you like to to be part of? And the other element would be for the ones that are saying, you know, do you need to do something different to make sure that the company has more success moving forward? Or is there any message that you want me to bring up to the senior management on things that we might be missing? So it's, it's all about having that conversation and not just dismissing it. So it's a bit similar to the previous tips. Um, the one thing that I would say that might be different is to not try to accommodate uh, a larger perspective of what the company does, but try to customize and adapt to your own team. Some teams might require different approaches within the company. Yeah? So some people might say, you know, just a very maybe different kind of approach. Yeah, but let's say the retention bonus. Let's say that the company puts a retention bonus forward. It doesn't get all the teams will receive in the same manner. Some teams might say, oh, they are trying to buy us out to stay longer. Or they might complain about the retention bonus. They might not want retention bonus. They might want clarity. Where are we headed? What's going to be different? Or they might want to have more clarity on, or can we go and target a new customer segment? So I think the most important part is adapt to your own team and don't just... Don't just uh, you know take what's coming from the larger you know organizational investment and decisions, but try to also make your own decisions for your own team that might be an add-on to what others are doing, and that might come a, I mean, that that might bring inspiration to other teams to do the same. That, that's that's one of the two three things I would say ahead. Um. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. No. I think I think what you shared is very interesting because. I think in the tech industry, mostly in the last maybe like 10 years, what we've seen is that people were joining like these companies who were growing fast, fast, fast. Um, And it's easy of course, to be part of an organization that's doing like 150% year over year growth. And now of course there is an economic downturn. So companies are going into harder times. So this becomes um, harder to navigate also as relationship in the team and in the company. Um, so the last question I actually wanted to and, ask
1: is... And, and for yeah. example, to give an example, uh, also sometimes it's good to just say, you know, to just be acknowledged to say, you don't know, but let me try to find out, you know, uh, or try to give an estimation. It's not easy to be in uncertainty. I remember that, for example, at TV box, there was a general, let's put it that way, uh, uh, uncertainty because of the IPO. Yeah, the company was trying to go through an IPO through a fast process was creating a lot of like uh, tension, a lot of uncertainty, and and putting a lot of pressure on the company. So there was more frequent town halls, especially because Corona was so hit at the same time. So there were a lot of more town halls as a company, which was good. Yeah, but I would always, for example, with my team, do a smaller town hall with my team or department, where I'll go even deeper on on things that were not shared during the town hall. So I customized to my team because I had built a team on full transparency. So sometimes I'll share more information with them that was shared with the rest of the company because I trusted their ability to cope with the information. And I said, if it's tough to cope with it, let me know and let me see what I can help out or not help out. You know, sometimes it's also about being the, uh, helping the team understand that hey, it's interesting. You are having what? What does it make that is so challenging for you to handle uncertainty? Or You know, what? What can I? What have you learned about yourself in the last months with this process? You know, so. It's also about helping people navigate and learn about themselves, even if it's a tough period, yeah? Um, because sometimes I tell them, look, you're not going to find an answer for the next three months. So knowing, you know, and I think asking the right questions is critical here because it's not about saying, I don't know, and probably not know the answer for the next three months. Is we don't know. We don't have the answer for the next three months. How does that make you feel, you know? Um, what can we do differently that makes you feel more comfortable or more trustworthy, knowing that you not have to find an answer for three months? And um, if you don't know the, the you know, and then just having people share, you know, if you don't know the, know the answer for three months, what can you do now that is under your control? So, yeah, so that's also, um, that's conversations to have. And it's not easy. And sometimes you're not going to have a good answer. And sometimes you're going to have people that leave out even more uncertain, but it's important. It's part of their own process of learning, not just yours
0: absolutely. And I think that, of course, like leaders, they have some more visibility as per the individual contributor, for example. And because of course, like some sometimes it's it's okay not to know, as you were mentioning, but maybe then they know that there is like a critical event happening in the leaders um, or senior leadership calendar. So they know and say, look, we don't know anything now, but something is happening this week. So I remember in one of the company I was part of, that did have layoff, something that our manager did that I actually really appreciated was we don't know what's happening, but there's going to be financial planning for senior leadership in this week. And then so probably a few weeks later, we'll have an update. So this, of course, was was very helpful because made us like kind of stop worrying and thinking about the uncertainty and really, yeah, just, just a bit more Mm -hmm. Put it on the backlog, and because of course the uncertainty kind of feeds on on itself, you know, and it becomes bigger and bigger. Otherwise,
1: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. no, Um, that's 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 correct.
0: Yeah, so I I think like leaders or like managers, people managers, like this part is such an interesting role when those changes are happening because they are kind of in the center of many different, you know, knots. Um, so, of course, on one end, they are, of course, dem- demonstrating empathy and support, as you were mentioning. Uh, but they also need to look after themselves. So would you have any tips for uh, for managers who need to, like, uh, handle uncertainty?
1: Well, a few things that come to mind. The first one is that you have to, to set time aside for reflection more than before. Um, that means that you might have to do your own check-out of the week, your own check-in for the week. It might mean that you have to tap more into your self-awareness and understand what emotions or doubts are coming up. Yeah? So, you know, for example, asking yourself, okay, what kind of uncertainties is this is triggering in me? What kind of uh, uh, behaviors do I showcase when uncertainty is there? Yeah? For example, are you more direct and pushy with your team? Are you more communicative? Are you more neutral? Um, are you more, uh, do, you, do you have a tendency to focus more on small tasks or do you go, you go into the bigger picture? Because in uncertainty, you start getting different uh, understanding of yourself and you act in different ways. So reflection, I would say, is probably the most key important role here. Yeah. The second one, uh, and I think it's a tough one, and I I myself struggle a lot with that. Used to be kind to oneself. Um, because your tendency is to try to solve everything and try to fix a lot of things, yeah? So you say, oh, in a certain let me fix everything that I can solve now. And some things are not solvable in that in that period of time. So, yeah, it's a, it's a tough one for a lot of people, and including myself, but yeah, being kind to, to yourself, it's critical, yeah? Which is, means to have maybe conversations with, with peers or with yourself on journaling, for example, of saying, okay, Um, what is what I can let go that I know that's going to be fine? Um, What can I focus on that can, you know, bring the most impact and contribute the most to the progress of the team or the company or myself? So those two, I would say, are are critical. Um, And I think the third one might be to build a peer community that you can actually not stay too much time on your head, but actually, you know, have a peer community you can talk to, Um, especially in times of layoff, yeah, because you might want to take you know, other see what other people are doing, how they feel, and then just have the shared journey. Uh, because you are not alone; you are not the only manager that had to do layoffs. Um, plenty of other people had to do what, and they experience in different ways. So, finding finding that pure community can be critical. So, I'll say those three things can already make quite a difference.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think I think the pure community is is really an interesting point. Uh, Because, of course, we are, I mean, we do live in an age of division, also like the remote working and working from home. I personally really enjoy it, but it makes it like a bit harder to connect with others. That's also why we started Mm -hmm, too. mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I think kind of putting the extra focus on the peer community um, today, like it's more important than ever. So it's really important to be intentional in building that community.
1: Yeah, no, definitely.
0: So Hugo, thank you so much for being with us today. I love this conversation and exchanging with you. I was taking notes because there were so many like interesting points and like learnings there. Um, it was very nice having you here. So where can al- our listeners find you if they want to connect?
1: Yeah, no, it's pretty easy just to, uh, yeah, find me on LinkedIn. Yeah, we we'll operate on LinkedIn uh, with Ritmo and then it's the best place to connect with me. And even better, if people can put a short message that they are connecting with me, uh, following the podcast, so they can also know, yeah, absolutely, that they are listening. Exactly. So I think that's the easiest way. And then I, I share regularly on a weekly basis, uh, as you mentioned, mostly on LinkedIn nowadays. So uh, also becoming a, someone that is quite creative, I have sometimes too many things like a newsletter, a personal <laughs> website, but. But overall, the centerpiece now has been LinkedIn, and uh, and probably that will stay for the, a longer period of time.
0: How how often is the newsletter coming out?
1: Well, initially, I, I was doing it on a weekly basis. Then you know, I opened, uh, then I found it written. So I'll be honest, I haven't wrote written in months. Also because LinkedIn by itself has increased a lot of the content creation. Yeah, the creator community. So, so you know, even recently I was part of a special LinkedIn group uh, um, uh, of creators, uh, all hosted by LinkedIn, and they were saying that they're still trying LinkedIn. to figure out, yeah, they were still trying to figure out themselves the difference between the newsletters and the posts, yeah, in the sense of like, okay, when do you use these letters, when do you use the posts, and now I'm seeing the newsletter more as a long form essay that you share a lot of resources, so um, probably over the summer i'm going to resume on a monthly basis and um, so he doesn't overcrowd. Um so yeah so they can si- subscribe to it but you know even that will be found on linkedin so i'll say it's the best the best place yeah. to follow
0: so following and connecting on linkedin with hugo is, is the best way to connect thank Thanks you so much good. again Hugo's- thank you for listening to closer in tech a podcast created by the d2 collective We are on a mission to make the tech world feel closer. If you're new here, the D2 Collective is a global, value-based membership community for those working in tech. Our members get access to a growing network of inspiring and talented individuals, regular meetups in the major European cities,
1: and additional content to unlock their personal and professional growth. If you want to be part of it, head to thed2collective.community.